morning. I want to continue on this morning. Um, if you've been here the last couple Sundays that I've preached, um, I have been trying to systematically go through um, how to explain or defend. Uh, I don't like to use the word debate, but if that uh, situation, I guess, presented itself and the spirit was there and the mood was right, uh, you may find yourself having to debate someone on it. Um, but primarily, um, I wanted to go through the things that will help equip all of us to uh, thoroughly uh, explain what we believe as primitive Baptists. And I know that uh, I mentioned to you before that uh, you may find yourself in a relationship and the dividing factor there is uh, specifically maybe if you were dating, um, you need to be on the same page with your uh, future husband or wife on what you're going to believe as a household. Uh, and so maybe if you are on separate pages, uh, maybe some of this teaching will help you as you discuss that um, with them. And maybe the Lord will um, open some eyes to those things. And as I went through and tried to systematically go through this, you know, I started with uh, the authority of God's word. That is something you must submit to. Uh, if you're ever going to get on the same page with somebody that has a little different view of maybe uh, specifically salvation, um, and you can find that on the uh, podcast if you missed that on the website. And then after that, we talked about the sovereignty of God and to uh, be able to submit to God as a sovereign God and that, um, that, as the Bible says, he will do as he pleases. And so one of the things that I mentioned to you last week was when you start off in this explanation, the very beginnings seem to have somewhat of a bitter taste. Uh, I thought about um, when we first moved in to where we live now, I went out and I planted about um, 10 or 12 apple trees. And on purpose, I tried to plant a different type of apple tree uh, for each tree, uh, as, at least as many as I could find. So I probably had seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 different apple trees. And some of them, um, when they were ripe, the apples were yellow. Some of them, when they ripened, they were, uh, would be, uh, you know, uh, just red as you could, uh, you know, blood red. Some of them uh, matured green. Some of them matured somewhat pink. And so I had this, you know, vast array of apples. Well, the problem was I forgot which apples were planted where and what they were supposed to look like when they were ripe. And so I might have this, you know, uh, beautiful pink apple hanging off of a tree and think, oh, well, that's probably the ones that mature pink. And I would pull it and take a bite of it. And it was not very good. It did not taste good going down. And most of them I just spit back out into the field. But if I would have given it some time, that awful bitter taste that was in my mouth with enough time would have been very sweet to me. That is very much like what I'm explaining to you. If you hear the authority of God's word and you hear the sovereignty of God and those things taste a little bitter to you and you don't really like them because it makes God up here and man down here. If you don't like those things, if you can, if, if you can just stay with me until I'm finished and you will give it time you will find that at the end of the matter, it is the most glorious, beautiful picture of a loving, merciful God. But if you abandon me on the sovereignty of God, or you abandon me on what I'm going to preach to today, you will walk around with bitterness 
in your spirit about what I'm teaching. And that's what a lot of people do. They never hang on to see the end of the matter. But you, won't, you will never understand the end of it unless you really understand the beginning of it. So I ask that you hang with me. We've talked about the authority of God's word. We've talked about the sovereignty of God. And those will come back into play uh, here soon. But today, what I wanted to talk to you about is the depravity of man. And what I mean by that is if you, if you go back to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, and what you will find is that when, man, when God created man, the Bible says that he created uh, man in his own image. God created man in God's image. And he set him in a garden and he gave him dominion in that garden. And he told him that of all the trees in the garden, you can eat. But there's one tree that you can't eat the fruit of. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he tells man that in the day, this is in Genesis, the first and second chapter. He tells man in the day that you eat that fruit, you're going, he said, thou shalt surely die. And the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, God, I mean, a man here was made in God's image. That means that uh, especially considering the curse that he gave him, the curse of the day that, you're eat, that you eat, it up, eat thereof, you're going to die. We know that God was made in man's image. Man was made in God's image. And we know that man was immortal. Death was not a factor. Sin was not a factor. He had not been corrupt, uh, corrupted. And he was in the image of God. Now, one thing that, that I hear very often when people go to, uh, you know, maybe debate against what we say, and I'll get to this in a minute too, but they'll say that, well, the Bible says that we're made in the image of God. And I've told you this before, I know. Well, the Bible says that we're made in the image of God. I've got something really good inside of me. Now, there is some aspect of us that still is made in the image of God, and it may just simply be in a physical appearance. You know, God can appear in however, I mean, not, you know, there was a time that God appeared to Moses, but not in a man with two arms and two legs. He was in a burning bush. So God can appear however, but, you know, when we see the Lord, when we see him, that's what the Bible speaks about. When we see the Lord, maybe he looks like a human looks. I don't know. There's some aspect that we're in the image of God, but it was Adam that was made in the image of God, immortal, sinless, holy and clean. But I am not made in the image of God. You need to understand that. There is no prouder statement than to say, well, I'm made in the image of God. Brothers and sisters, I hope I'm not made in the image of God. Because I know myself. And when I get to heaven, if the Lord is anything like me, I'm going to be disappointed. Really. I hope I'm not made in the image of God. But the Bible tells me that I and you are made in Adam's likeness. That means what God created, Adam sinned against the Lord by taking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and eating it. And Adam became something totally different than what God created. And then the Bible tells us this, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. No mother and father have ever had a child 
that did not come out anything but a human. You see, flesh gives birth to flesh. Humans give birth to humans. Uh, you know, monkeys give birth to monkeys. Deer give birth to deer. That's the way it works. And a fallen, corrupt man gives birth to a fallen, corrupt man. That's how that works. Because that man was made in the image of a fallen, corrupt man. That's why the Bible says that we have to be conformed to the image of Christ. Why? Because we're not made in it. We're made in the likeness of sinful man. And as, as the Bible tells us, we'll be conformed back to the image of God. So here's the real thing I want to talk about today. About today. When man fell in the garden, and this is vital to, to understanding and being able to explain it. When man fell in the garden, when he took the bite of that apple, or not apple, fruit. I'm going back to the children's books. Somebody quizzed me the other day and said, hey, do you know what the fruit was uh, on the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And I was ready. I said, it doesn't say. He said, well, I think it was a banana. And I said, I don't know. Maybe. What happened? All right, here's a clue. The Lord said, in the day that thou eatest thou of, thou shalt surely die. He eats of the fruit and he does not fall over dead. All right, here's a clue. There's more than one type of death in the Bible. You need to understand that there is a physical death, which we all know very well. But there is also a spiritual death, meaning the spirit of God in man dies. And there is no spiritual nature to that man anymore. So when Adam took of that fruit and ate, he did die that day. He died a spiritual death. He also began the process of dying a physical death. Right. Now, so what do we mean by spiritual death? What happened to Adam? Did Adam become something, something that was mostly good, but a little bit of bad? Did Adam become something mostly bad with a little bit of good? Now, the common belief usually is one of the two things. I think the most common belief is that Adam became something good, but yet he had, now that he had fallen, he had some measure of evil there. Some desire to sin, but he still had that spiritual life image of God quality to him. And so people will say, well, here's man he has fallen, yet he brings forth offspring and they are mostly good with a little bit of bad. And there's going to come a point in time where they're going to figure that out. Hopefully, at some point, some preacher will tell them you're mostly good, but you got a little bit of bad. But that little bit of bad is enough to keep you out of heaven. So use a little bit of your good to do something to wash away the little bit of your bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's confusing. And most of the time, they'll say, you've got 12 years. 12 years from the time you're born till, till about your 12th year that you get a pass. But once you hit that 12th year, he's going to hold you accountable for the little bit of bad. And you better get your little bit of good to do what it needs to do. 
Well, the stats also state, say this, that 80, I saw this just the other day, that 85%, this is a bogus stat because it's a bogus idea, that 85% of people, if they're going to take their good to wash away their bad, 85% of them will have to do it before they're 14. And after that, the odds start dropping. Well, if I, if I calculate that right, you get a pass up until you're 12. So you've got two years right there. Two very important years if all this was true. Praise God it's not true. Amen. So the common belief is to take, most, take the mostly good make the right decision to wash away some of the bad. So in the eyes of God, you are now back in the image of God. All right. Is that biblical? Can you back that up with scriptures? I'm not here to give you my opinion. I'm here to teach. These series of messages, I'm here to teach you what the Bible says. And if you have agreed with me, on our first sermon that we're going to let God's word be the authority, then we should not have a problem. So let's look. What did he become? Mostly good, a little bit of bad. Mostly bad, a little bit of good. What did he become? Let's look at what the Bible says. <clears throat> Let me back some of what I've told you up for just a second. In the book of Romans... In the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 12, I want you to notice this. Romans 3, 12. This is speaking of the fallen, corrupt man. The fall in the garden. It says, there is none, verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Here's what I want. They are all gone out of the way. They are, here's the key word, they are together become unprofitable. That word together, go look it up, means at the same time. And I'm not making it up. Go check me. They are all gone out of the way. At the same time, they became unprofitable. What was that time? When Adam disobeyed God and took the fruit and ate it. That's when altogether humanity from that point forward, every single one of them became unprofitable. I ask you this, is a man that's mostly good with a little bit of bad, is he profitable? Yeah. Yeah, he is. If you've got a worker, if you've got an employee that 95% of the time does a great job and 5% of the time they don't, that's a good employee. They're profitable. It says they are together become unprofitable. Now flip a page or two over. Let's look in Romans, the fifth chapter. If you do not believe that Adam's sin, if you do not believe that thread runs through us all, and that poison of sin affected all of us, if you do not believe that we became unprofitable together at the same time, Read this, Romans 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 
And it goes on and says, For until the law, sin was in, in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. What does all that mean? That means God had laws given to man, but there was only one law that had the punishment, the curse, that the day you ate thereof, thou shalt surely die. One law had that punishment. Well, when they sinned, when Adam sinned, he kicked them out of the garden. He set angels with flaming swords of fire to guard the trees so they would not be able to get back into the garden. No man since that time has been able to go back and break the law that had the punishment of death. Not one single person. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them, notice this, that had not sinned in the same way as Adam sinned. So are we connected to Adam in that sense? Yes. Because we, we just sang a song, we are passing away. We're dying. You're getting wrinkly. You're getting gray hair. Your back starts to hurt. Your knees start to hurt. You are not what you were when you were 20. You're passing away. You are decaying away because of the effect of sin on your life. Because you're connected to Adam. He represented us in that garden. Now, here's what I want. I got five minutes. Give me five minutes. The day that thou eatest thou of, thereof, thou shalt surely die. What does that spiritual death look like? We know what the physical death looks like. Because we've all experienced, what does the spiritual death look like? And I've said this so many times, and Brother Tim and people that have stood here hundreds of years before we have. If you can understand a physical death, you can understand a spiritual death. The physically dead man does not respond to any kind of stimulus that you give him. Whatsoever. You can shock him, burn him, poke him, slap him, spit on him, kick him, punch him, whatever. He doesn't even know you're doing it. The Bible even says in Ecclesiastes, the dead know not anything. They're dead. In the same way, a spiritually dead man does not have the ability to respond to a spiritual stimulus. Now, let's look probably the best Scripture to prove that is 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the nat uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It does not say he doesn't know them. It doesn't say he won't know them. It says he can't know them. He cannot. Sure, they, they, can, um, they can hear the message of it. They can sit under the sound of the preaching and they hear what we hear. But their spirit doesn't hear it. Because the spirit is dead. The natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. Now, hold the phone. Let's take the man that is mostly good with a little bit of bad. 
as the world would say, he's unsaved. He's not born again. He is what they call a natural man in a natural fallen state. Mostly good, a little bad, or maybe mostly bad and a little bit of good. That's the natural man. They'll say he needs to hear the Spirit of God moving on him and he's got to make the right choice. But it says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And their foolishness to him. He can't know them because it takes a spiritual man to discern spiritual things. Now this kind of goes back to the, you know, getting the cart before the horse. It takes a natural man to know, to know uh, natural things, a spiritual man to know spiritual things. 1 Corinthians 1.18, this is probably my second favorite one. And I never have understood how some of the ones that believe mostly good, a little bit of bad, got to hear it, got to overcome it. Get past this verse. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. How do you ever get somebody to submit to something that you, the Bible tells us in advance is going to be foolishness to them? Makes no sense to me. You know why it's foolishness? Do you know why they can't discern it? Because a physically dead man does not respond to physical stimulus. A spiritually dead man does not respond to a spiritual stimulus. You can preach to him all you want to. You can paint the paint the scariest picture of hell. You can scream at him. You can uh, give him money. You can grab him by the ankles and beg him to submit to the Lord, but he will not. And the Revelation is the 15th chapter. And again, I've told you before, the Bible says that the angel opened up the vial and the, the wicked were scorched with the heat of the sun. What a picture of hell. And it said they gnawed their tongues. They chewed their tongues off because they were in so much agony. It says, but they blasphemed God and repented not. Why? Because they had no spiritual life in them to want to do that. You see, that's what man became. When man fell in the garden, he didn't become mostly good with a little bit of bad. He became all bad. With no spiritual life inside of him. With no desire to seek God. With no ability to seek God. How do we know that's true? Let me give you one example here. I've got more, but for the sake of time, I'm going to give you one. In John the 8th chapter. Now you tell me, you take two different lens. And look through this verse. One of the lens is going to be man is mostly good with a little bit of bad. The other lens is is man is totally depraved, unable to come to God unless God intervenes and makes him a spiritual creature. Look at this through those two lens and you tell me which one uh, looks clearest. Jesus said to a group of Pharisees, why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. He says in verse 47, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. Look at those two lens. When I look at that through the lens of mostly good, a little bit of evil, I do not see the Lord saying, Oh, you've got so much potential. You've got potential to be something special in the kingdom of God. I see that, you, that, that you've just got a little bit of evil holding you back. And unfortunately, that little bit of evil is enough evil 
to to separate you from a holy God. And let me tell you, if you'll just use your good to get rid of that evil, all will be well. He said, Jesus says, you don't understand me because you're not of me. You're not from me. You're not part of me. In John, the 10th chapter, if that's not good enough to you, he says, John 10, 26, he looks at a group of Pharisees and says, ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. That's really hard to misunderstand. And you find no effort of the Lord to ask them to use their good to overcome their bad. Such clear pictures of, a, of spiritually dead people out of the mouth of Jesus He says to them, you cannot discern what I'm saying. This will be foolishness to you. You don't hear it because you're not of me and you don't hear it because you're not of my sheep. That's a bitter apple right there. And I agree with you. That's bitter. But that's just the first part. That's Luke picking the apple and he can't remember which apple it is and it tasting bad to him. Now, This is what I want you to hold on to for next time. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. We have mankind that has fallen and separated from God, depraved, spiritually dead, unable to come back to God. No interest in coming back to God. All right, let's go back to sermon two. What is a sovereign God that as we read, we'll have mercy on whom he has mercy and compassion on whom he has compassion. What will a sovereign God do with mankind who has been separated from him and unable to get back to him due to the limits of their dead spiritual nature? Do you see how the sovereignty of God plays into that? If I've got you submitting to the sovereignty of God in that he can do something in Capernaum and not here and he can heal this a sustained this widow and this leper and not do the rest of them. If I've got you submitting to that, it's a smooth transition into what does a sovereign God do with a race of fallen, corrupt people. And this is when the bitterness begins to turn sweet. Don't cut me off yet. Let me get to the end of it. And I think you'll see that God is not a bitter, hateful, mean God. That God is a merciful, loving God. I hope that's been profitable to you. Please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.